Okay then, we're taking our last look at Philippians. I'm sat in the study on my squeaky chair, which I hope is going to behave itself uh, for a few minutes. And we're going to take a look at these last few verses of Philippians 4. Uh, but um, there's a couple of things I want to highlight along the way. Not, not just that we take the broad look, but a couple of bits that we're going to dip into. The first thing I think it's important to point out, as I do so often, is to remember that this is a, a piece of writing in context. Now, the bit of context I want to draw attention to today has particularly to do with what comes before. So this is one letter written, I think it's very likely, in one sitting by one man who knows his audience. So what he writes from verses 10 to the end is in no way separate from what comes before it. The reason why this is important is it, it's way too easy for us as we dip in to bits of scripture to forget that there's a train of thought very often running through what's being said. The reason why I, I particularly want to pick up on that is because I think that things we've seen um, Paul talking about in terms of this drive towards maturity uh, as disciples is continued in this section. It doesn't stand alone, neither should it, and in my opinion, and when we're reading the Bible, we should never look for bits to stand alone, we should always look for them to fit within a broader context. So I just want to pick, particularly pick up on this, so we're looking at, at verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly um, that at last you have renewed your concern for me, Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So he's not telling them off for not being concerned earlier. He's saying how delighted he is to become aware again of their concern. Remember that he loves this group. He talks affectionately and compassionately to them and about them throughout this letter. Clearly, he values them a lot. But Paul does what Paul always does. So he says, I, I rejoice greatly. Uh, indeed you have been concerned and then he says I'm not saying this because I'm in need and gets a little bit distracted in good ways telling us good things but the point he was making in verse 10 he's had to clarify in the second half of verse 10 and it takes until verse 14 to say yes it was good of you to share in my troubles so let's remember this Paul's emphasis in his comment here is that he's rejoicing that this church shares in his experience and does something to demonstrate their love and concern for him. They, they're not simply standing at a distance going, oh, that sounds rubbish for you, Paul. They do something, they gather together, uh, whether it's um, food or, or medicines or money, we don't really know, but they gather some things together and they send Epaphroditus out so that he can go to see Paul and, and be the courier of their, uh, of their goodness, of their concern for him. Now, the thing that, that I'd like us to pick up from that is, is what's being modelled here in two ways. One is that the church at Philippi models what it is to show compassion and concern for those who aren't right with you right now, but who you recognise are still part of your community of disciples. We have some of those uh, we might think of, of those who we know who worship at other churches in, in Watchit or, or further afield in West Somerset, those who have moved away from the area but we still are aware of, those like um, Toby and Pippa Vocal uh, in Nepal who are, who are now in Kathmandu and were in Pokhara before, ways in which we feel and understand them to be part of our community and there are ways in which we can demonstrate our love 
and concern from afar. So that's something that's being modelled by the church at Philippi, and Paul is commending them for it as a demonstration of their maturity. The second thing is what Paul does. So Paul models thankfulness uh, and appreciation, but also he bigs them up. He says, you guys are amazing. And he's, he's said it at various points on the way through, but he says, I, I love you. I, you're my glory. I, I, I cherish the fact that, that we are disciples together. I think we're not always very good at doing that. Maybe some people might say it's because we're British. I might suggest it has to do with how Western culture works. But whatever it is, um, his determination to be expressive in his love for other disciples, simply because they're disciples, that, that's what he's about here. So that's something that's been modelled for us to be aware of too. And And then the third thing I think is that he... He makes a point at the end of saying he wants to greet uh, all the saints, but not just greet from himself, but greet from all those around him. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now, the reason why I think this is so special um, is, well, first of all, I love the way Paul routinely refers to disciples as saints. I think it's a real encouragement for me. I hope you find it an encouragement too. You are among the saints. That's that's a good title for those who follow Jesus. Um, but there is a determination here from the the community of um, believers around Caesar's household to be involved in sending greetings. Paul doesn't just want to speak for himself. He wants to represent others uh, and help create this wider sense of community. You, you might remember earlier in the pandemic, we, we heard a lot of greetings from other churches. And there are plenty of churches who we haven't gone to yet to ask for those greetings and maybe the moment for those has passed but but that sense that we we can remain aware of a wider community and we as a, as a group can send our greetings and our concern to one another I think is really precious now I said I was going to draw out a couple of things and I will um, the first is to highlight this verse 13 particularly this one because I think it's one of the most frequently taken out of context verses in the Bible. We are not always very good at making sure that we we read what the Bible is telling us in a broad way. We tend to go, well, this verse says this, so, so clearly it must mean that. And I think this is mishandled. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I think you'll come across those who will say, you know, I, I can... Um, I should, of course, be able to cope with whatever hardship I'm facing, whether it's, um, you know, being a single mum, whether it's uh, losing a job, whether it's um, being in pain or in illness. I should be able to cope with this because God is with me. But I don't think that's what Paul is driving at here. He's not saying, you know, you, you should be able to run or walk a marathon without preparation if God is with you. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, he says, the secret of being content. And the secret, he says, is to draw strength from God. As we recognise that, we need to also be aware of the, the wider context of how Paul is talking about community working. Yeah, He's just in the middle of saying how wonderful it is that the concern of the disciples at Philippi is expressed in their um, provision for him. So if, he, if Paul feels that he shouldn't need anything other than uh, the strength of God, 
then he would be saying to the church at Philippi, no, I, I don't need anything from you. You didn't need to send Epaphroditus. I've got everything that I could possibly need because I can, uh, because I have God with me. There's a, there's a, a quote in um, Kung Fu Panda, a, a, an animated film I really like, uh, where Master Tigress says um, uh, to, the, to, to Po, who's been identified as a dragon warrior, he says, uh, she says, um, it is said that the dragon warrior can survive on the dew from a single leaf and the energy of the universe. And uh, Poe looks a little bit sheepish. He likes his food and he says, I think I'm going to need a whole lot more than dew and universe juice. And I think Paul is making a similar point with appropriate apologies for equivalising Paul to as an apostle to Kung Fu Panda. The, anyway, so I'm going somewhere with this. Bear with me. Uh, the, but Paul is saying, uh, is not saying, I just need the strength that God gives me. He's also saying, I need the community of saints. I need the disciples around me to share their concern and provide for me. Paul has experienced this as he goes throughout his missionary journeys. And indeed, if you look at a, a book called the Didache, which is... Um, uh, believed to be written by early apostles about how the church should behave, one of the things they talk about is providing for travelling preachers who are bringing the good news of Jesus uh, around, working around, working their way around the churches in um, in uh, Europe and the uh, Middle East. So there's an expectation that churches will provide for disciples as they go about their ministry. So it's important that we don't take this verse out of context. It's not saying I can do everything by myself as long as God is with me. It's saying um, being content is about recognising that God provides all I need. This, after all, draws directly on the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? Give us today our daily bread or give us today the food that we need or, or give us everything that we need and provide for us, God. And, and Paul recognises that part of provision is the community of disciples around him. So I, I'm, I'm keen that we don't miss uh, place how we understand that verse. Finally, just when I mention verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Paul visited Philippi and started this church. He loves them and he cherishes them and he provides this final um, reminder to them, even as he is in prison that God is full of riches. Uh, riches don't prevent difficulty, otherwise Paul wouldn't be in prison and struggling in the ways he is. But God will meet all your needs. He will provide what you need because he has all the riches that he might need at his disposal. And we, as disciples committed to maturity, can be confident in this God who will provide for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing letter. We thank you for the love and tenderness that Paul expresses to these disciples. We ask that you would help us follow the example uh, that Paul gives and the example that the church at Philippi gives too, that we would in those ways pursue a maturity in our discipleship too. Would you bless us and walk with us, we pray. Amen.
Okay, as ever, we're just looking at three questions that spring from this passage, and we're going to be quite brief with them. Number one is this. Uh, as, as Paul says, he rejoices greatly um, in the concern that the Church of Philippi has for him. I want you to think about how you might express your concern for another disciple. Who might you want to be in touch with and say, I'm concerned for you, I'm thinking of you, how can I help you in the situation that you're facing? It doesn't have to be somebody who is in uh, in difficulties in a way that you can identify. It might be that you know somebody who would benefit from that. But just think, how can I put out there my concern for other disciples and how I care for them? Question two. God will meet all our needs according to his own riches. What are the riches that you are going to ask God for as you go forward as a disciple? What are the things that you want him to provide for you so that you might grow in your understanding of him, so that your relationship with him might flourish, or or so that you might see your character developing in a way that matches Jesus? What are you going to ask for in that way? Thirdly, I'm going to to ask um, whether you have found the secret of contentment yet. Let me just reread this bit. Uh, Paul writes, um, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. How might you explore how content you are how might you work with jesus on finding contentment what things in your heart might god need to work on so that you could know contentment in his company and in your life those are our three questions take care